This podcast should not be considered as financial or medical advice, but if you are looking for financial or medical advice, then please contact a licensed professional. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. We've talked in a past episode about cryptocurrency and why we can't deny its power to reshape finance. Moving away from the middleman bankers that we are used to transacting through and allowing ourselves to be the custodians of our own dollars is a good thing, even if it's very unfamiliar. This process will take a while for the typical American to fathom. The current powers that be will try to reshape the conversation and try to sell the negatives of blockchain in a positive light by using the benefits of decentralized currency as the marketing arm of a larger agenda. We need to be smarter as we enter into this new economic world, not because there are new dangers, but because the same dangers we've always faced are now wearing different masks. If we don't become experts in this new system, the complexity of the new paradigm will be a wall in front of the palace gates for many. So we have to look at the good with the bad and understand that it's all being put together in front of us with most not paying attention or even trying to comprehend. The pioneers will be rewarded as is expected, but we don't want the masses to be left behind. The paradigm we want only works if we all understand. Let's do this. If you were to speculate five years from now, seven years, maybe 10 years from now, how um, the world's going to move and what role crypto is going to play in uh, in the world based on what's going on. What do you see? Where do you think this is all going? Okay. So not only do I, not only do I uh, project or think about it, it's something I talk about, something I've done a lot of research into. And so actually it's a big work that I've been working on. I have videos about, and there's three revolutionary cycles that are converging right now that, that uh, hasn't really happened. And we have, so like a political, social, cultural one, we have a technological one we already talked about, and we have a financial one. Uh, financial works on an 80 year cycle. Technology works on 50 year. We already talked about, and the political one runs on a 250 year and they're all converging right now, but just looking at the 250 year uh, cycle, we can go as far back in history as we want. And we see it's the same story repeating, which is uh, freedom, oppression, revolution, freedom, oppression, and revolution. And it just repeats. Now um, there's a 84 year cycle we call populist uprising or a, a regime change. So 84 years ago from now was the end of World War II, Hitler, Mussolini, um, SDR, I'm sorry, uh, FDR did the New Deal, which changed kind of America into socialist nation. 84 years before that, Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, which you talked about already, which led to the European Spring, was the largest revolution in history, uh, European revolution. Uh, 84 times three equals 252. Every 250 years, we have a revolution 250 years ago from right now was the America and the French revolution 250 years before that was the Protestant reformation. Now what those represent is the rejection of globalism or centralization 
and a move towards decentralization. Of course, the American Revolution rejected the centralization of the monarchy and set up a decentralized government. The United States was a republic, decentralized government. So what we're seeing right now is we're seeing the end of that. We're going into the revolution. And so two things are happening. One, we are at or we're approaching peak centralization, peak globalization. And that's pretty evident to see. World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, World Trade Organization, World Meteorological Organization, the UN, the IMF, et cetera. So we can see that. And and to the point we've been talking about, the governments are getting more and more and more and more strict, peak centralization, peak globalization. But we can also see that the world is rejecting that massively. Two weeks ago, millions of people in Brazil, Australia, all through Europe, I mean, everywhere you look, people are pushing back. Before the pandemic, there was 10 countries with over 1 million people each marching before the pandemic. The pandemic shut that down, coincidentally, but now it's all coming back. So we're at this point where the pendulum is at peak globalization, but the world we can see is erupting. And what happens when the pendulum peaks out? It starts to swing back the other way. And that's what history tells us, 250 years of his, or thousands of years of history. Now, what's interesting is these cycles are converging at the same time, because at the same time, the world's rejecting centralization to go to decentralization. We have a technological revolution that gives us exactly what we need, which is pretty amazing. And even more amazing, at the same time, the financial revolution is happening. Every 80 years, the financial system gets reset. 80 years ago, we had the Bretton Woods agreement where the whole world got on a one world monetary system, a gold back system. Today, six months ago, approximately the IMF called for a Bretton Woods two, mm, wow. a new global monetary system. So the world's rejecting centralization to go back to decentralization. We have the technology at the same time we need it. And remember I said earlier, technological revolutions lead to new financial systems at the same time, they're calling for a new financial system. So I think history tells us very clearly where we're going. It's a massive uh, reason for hope. I think there's massive hope and prosperity. Now you asked how I see this playing out. Unfortunately, it's uh, I see massive hope and prosperity. I'm hopeful for that. I have faith in that. Um, getting from here to there isn't going to be so easy. And I think over the, I would say over the next couple of years, things continue to get worse, unfortunately. I think we'll continue to see more um, centralization, more globalization, but we're also going to see more and more people pushing back. Uh, we're going to continue to see the government's losing power about that. Over that, I think we'll need to to survive this. We'll need to be uh, able to one get our wealth outside the system, uh, two be able to possibly be mobile if we need to be those cows with wings. Um, you know, three, four, or five years from now, I think we start swinging back the other way. We see these giant nation states breaking down. They're obsolete. It was old technology. It's, it's useless now that nowadays. Um, and I believe by the end of the decade, we'll see the end of the giant nation state. Uh, th that'll be an obsolete model. Uh, we'll see much more smaller decentralized governments. Uh, people will be more, you know, sovereign individuals. Um, and that's kind of how, how I see that playing out. Vaviola. Hey, Leo, our second take. Second take. We're, we're doing more of those now. Didn't we yeah. do, we did a second take on that, uh, not the last episode. It but was the, our last Was it the last episode? episode? I think Just from was, last week? Uh, no, no, our last episode from oh, the Oh, from last the last season. season, yeah. We're getting, uh, we're getting worse at this. No. We're not getting worse at this. <laughs> no, we're not. We're just, we just getting more particular. Give fantastic content we do want the content to be good yes so 
who was that in the clip? That was... Mark Moss. Okay, so let me read about who he is. Mark Moss is an American entrepreneur, investor, founder, and YouTuber. Moss's personal website claims that he has founded seven companies, each of which would grow past seven figures within their first year. Moss has also invested in private companies, gold mines, oil, oil fields, technology, uh, and cryptocurrencies. So, um, yeah, so he's, um, so this interview is actually from a series that was airing this past week called Crypto Reveal by Patrick Jen Temple. And we have followed a lot of his series over the years. Um, he, the first time I heard about Patrick was from the documentary Doctored that exposed, uh, allopathic medicine and mm. their their ways with you know their ways of treatment and how it probably makes more harm than than good and you you watched most of that uh, mm-hmm. crypto revealed I right did. And, and i i really felt the urge i mean i felt like the season was really about the bigger picture right last season it was like who was behind <laughs> what we were seeing the pandemic i mean who were the players pushing the narrative the agenda why they were doing this and this series is more like gonna going to give people ideas okay how do we self-correct as humanity really i mean how okay what is the system you know, what is the current system? Because I feel like the elites are tipping their hand all the time now. All you need to do is just watch their impatience. Kind of like a child mm-hmm. that's having a tantrum, right? The more you tell them no, the louder the tantrum becomes. And so at one point, if we just stand our ground, they finally give up. <laughs> so that's what we're hoping. But we want to explore, okay, what is happening? What is the bigger picture? And where is this going if we don't find ways to get out of the system and replace it with a better system. As Mark was saying, you know, the peak, this is the peak centralization. We now have technology, right, for these small group of people to control um, the 99%. So how do we see that play now and how do we prepare, really, for a new system? Yeah, I, I liked what he was saying about the pendulum, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty far on one side with the, the centralization piece, but um, it's going to swing. And mm-hmm. I think we're seeing around the world, people are, are being fed up with this and bigger and bigger groups are protesting, especially in, in Europe and, and countries outside of the US. Um, we haven't seen that so much inside the U.S., but you know we I were mean, talking. This is happening in the U.S. It, it's like happening, every but week but I, I watch the high wire. I see more and more protests. I know there's a lot of people, especially in the um, California and New York polls, um, really getting on the streets and, and saying no. Yeah, and, and obviously they're more at ground zero in those places mm-hmm. because uh, they're seeing the stricter But all over the place, Texas, you know, people are congregating everywhere. Like I was just at an event here in northern Idaho uh, last 
Yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Yesterday. Um, and we're talking about, okay, the, the, the organization now has to be local. You know, it has to be decentralized. We can't we can continue to think the government has our best interests because clearly <laughs> they have proven to us over and over, especially this year, you know, with the election, um, with the measures taken with the pandemic. Now we're saying, you know, um, drugs are experimental, are the only way out. Um, there's just a lot of... Uh, a lot of manipulation and a lot of rights are being stripped away. And so we want to expose not only the problem, but also the solutions. And I think this episode is all about one of the solutions we see in the present time of how we can get kind of get out of the system or prepare to get out of the system in some way and be able to build something new. Yeah, and I think uh, if you look back on our previous episode that we did on cryptocurrency, where we had uh, that that gentleman who was very very uh, uh, successful in the crypto space, we were, mm-hmm. we did an interview with him. You know, that was more kind of walking through the mechanics of and the foundation. Yeah, foundation. It was kind of like a one hundred and one uh, uh, class. Obviously, it was a short discussion. You know, less than an hour, but just kind of giving some frameworks and whatnot, and then uh, having a little bit of conversation around crypto in general. But here we wanted to really kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, at least what our experience has been, mm-hmm. um, which has been uh, good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also wanted to, you know, put it out there that, you know, this is really a way to kind of create a store of value for the dollars that you currently have that really through the money printing that the government's doing and and putting so much of the US dollar out into circulation uh, to keep the economy afloat, you know, it, it's really just stealing that buying power from your dollars. And so you can't keep up with inflation just with these small, you know, cost of living increases that not even all employers provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to find other ways to, you know, at least outpace um, uh, inflation. And and uh, I think right now what we're seeing, the only way to do that for the most part is cryptocurrency, you know, because it has the, it, it is volatile. But it does have the ability to gain in value very quickly mm-hmm. when it is on the upswing. Um, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that we've learned over this time is that, you know, it can't be something that you're going to treat like stocks and trade in and out of positions, you know, because of its volatility, it's very hard to make money with that. Uh, so I think sometimes people are thinking of uh, applying the same principles that they might to, you know, the the, the traditional stock market. And uh, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you really need to find what you're going to invest in, in the cryptocurrency space. And then you're going to need to hold on to that, you know, much like you would hold on to gold or silver that or you might buy. Or your 401k, you know, where you can only take the money out at retirement. But um, what Mark was talking about when he said the technology, and he had already talked about the technology, obviously that was part of a, a larger interview. He was talking about cryptocurrency in a decentralized way of um, doing trade, of having our money or keeping your money in a way where the rules can be changed, how how they can be changed in the current system, which is centralized and centralized, meaning you have, 
you have this pyramid of banking, you know, you have your local bank that is tied to a larger bank that gets money from um, how the did, central how bankers. Did the, yeah, how did uh, banks make money, Leo? Well, I mean, fractional reserve banking is all based on, you know, what these banks have on deposit from their customers. And then they're able to use that as the reserve by which they can get a multiple of dollars from the Federal Reserve that they can then lend out. Uh, so they are creating inflation by having that money uh, uh, under their custodianship from mm-hmm. their customers. Mm-hmm. And then they use that to, I mean, I, I want to use the word entice, but I mean, really, it's just how they do business. And then the Federal Reserve says, okay, you've got a million dollars on deposit, then you know we'll give you 10x that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and then you can do what you want with that as far as investment is concerned. You know, loans, things of that nature, um, and then typically they leverage that mm-hmm. as well. So you know, they're they're getting a leveraged amount from the Federal Reserve, and then they're leveraging what they're putting out in in the form of these loans and whatnot, and then whatever yield that they're getting back from these investments that they make, you know, typically goes most of it goes into their pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and, and not the, uh, the people who they generated that reserve from to begin with, which was the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a little bit different than how most people think of banking, where they think, okay, look, I put my money in the bank, and then me and the sum total of the other customers, we have this, you know, uh, this sum of, of, uh, of purchasing power. And then the, the uh, uh, bank is then taking our dollars and then, you know, maybe giving 100000 of that to a small business, right? And Because we're not all going to take that money out at the same time. They're going to lend that out and then they're going to uh, um, make some, some yield on that but in the mm-hmm. form of interest that they can then, you know, share with the people who are account holders. But that's not actually how it works at all. And, and uh, uh, your... your um, deposit that you have with them is actually a liability because they owe it to you right and and so uh, it's just something that they need it's it's an it's a uh, uh, a means to an end and mm-hmm. and it is the yeah because me- they need you to deposit your money so they can go to the government and say hey i have this much reserve yeah go ahead and <laughs> give me some yeah give me 10x so, that yeah. right <laughs> yeah. so so they need us but not in the way that we thought we thought they would just lend our money out but they that's not really what they do. But as we were talking about, you know, the difference between the system is that the rules can be changed, where in the cryptocurrency system, or the way that it was designed anyway, was that the rules were set, and they, you, you can't change them. Right. Well, in, in, but there there are caveats to that, and that's mm-hmm. where the nuance exists, right? That's where, you know, we're in a situation now where we have thousands of different coins that exist. You know, I mean, I would say there's only, you know, a short list of those coins, you know, maybe 25 to 75 coins that uh, really are worth much as far as utility and, and, the, and the communities and... and um, uh, you know, people building upon them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of them are all just, you know, they're they're basically packaged marketing mm-hmm. that that they're trying to generate interest for people to put their their dollars into in hopes that they can become rich. But you know, in a lot of cases, they're just harvesting that money from people. And so, and you know, that's in a lot of ways, that's not unlike the the traditional stock market too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of fly by night things that happen over there as well. Mm-hmm. But because it's the it's the devil. It reminds me of that um, that startup. Um, 
that they were trying to do like uh, one prick with your blood to diagnose all these different diseases. Oh yeah, the the, the lady. Yeah, what was her name? Again? Yeah, I can't remember. She that. was like this twenty-nine-year-old. Well, actually, she was a college dropout that had this idea of creating a machine where you get a prick of your blood, and the machine would basically read, you know, the the blood and, and diagnose you with, you know, whatever. It would tell you cancer. everything that ails. Yeah, you. it would be different than you having to have a needle, you know, and taking all this blood out of you, and then all these tests would be run. So, anyways, it was a crazy idea she had. And I can't remember her name now. Dang it. Yeah, you read like a whole book I know. On it or I even listened I to a whole And I can't remember it either. And I yeah. still, I just saw a thing on she her maybe two weeks Steve ago. Steve Jobs. Yeah. What was her name? Anyway, she came up with this idea and actually she convinced all like these people to uh, invest. Yeah, all these high profile investors basically just kind of sweet talks them <laughs> into giving her all this money. And now she might even be in jail. Uh, at this point uh, but she had uh, lots of like developers from the big you know the big companies like apple microsoft amazon to join her her venture i should probably just look on my phone yeah, because facebook's should. probably listening to the conversation and they'll probably serve us have, up uh, who that article is but anyways <laughs> the same thing can happen with these coins where you know people come up with this, this these ideas and the coins. I think one example could be. Could you say Doge coins? One of those examples where the the technology. Because every crypto, what is it? A coin or token has you know coding technology behind it, and and really that's kind of where the value is. That if you can expand on the technology, your coin is going to be more valuable because you'll be able to do more things with it. So there's these developers, though, that develop these coins and the, the coding behind it is not very good. Well, right? Doge specifically was like a, uh, it was created as like a joke. Uh, so the the developer created you know it's it's, it's considered I think the first meme coin, which oh. which was kind of a joke uh, you know on Bitcoin, and and uh, um, you know the individual who created it he's not even working with the project anymore you know so it's somebody else has kind of co opted it and it's more. Uh, open source now, I believe, but uh, um, open source meaning like anybody can go and look behind it. Yeah, and they can they can uh, the architecture attempt to make improvements was, and things of yeah. that nature. Mm -hmm. But but uh, yeah, it was it was done kind of as a joke, and uh, you know it's had massive investment. You go had into uh, Elon it. Musk, you know, trying to talk it up on Saturday Night Live. I think Mark something. Cuban as well, yeah, saying that you know he was going to give you some money back, or you know, so so those can be used, you know. Those those big figures that make a bunch of money, those technocrats, crap. Technocrats, <laughs> I like that. Hey, that's nice. <laughs> you know they can they try to manipulate now this decentralized system, right? To to make money because they have money to invest on tons of money to get it in or out. So this is something that we need to watch out for it because the purpose of cryptocurrency in the beginning was that you know it was made by the people. Yeah. And they're sparring that, and I think the people want to invest in things made by the people. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I just think it's so powerful when, you know, like, I know we've had experiences because, uh, you know, we have relatives that live out of the country, mm -hmm. and, and trying to get money 
you know, both ways, yeah. you know, it, with, through swift numbers and all this. It's just such a joke, you know. It you is know, so difficult. It takes time. It There are fees involved, you know, high fees are a percentage of what you're sending. Um, and, he, you know, you could not make it yeah. all the way to the end after, you know, so many days that the transaction takes to get from one point to the other. Well, well and I know the challenge we've had with... Um, Crypto, because now, you know, we've seen how easy crypto works when you're mm -hmm. just passing it from one wallet to the next. And then when we explain It doesn't matter that, where you are in this earth. But but we explain that to the people on the other side. And because it's been so difficult, they just don't believe that it can be that easy. That easy, And, yeah. and they don't want to participate because, you know, they're worried. Oh, like, oh, well, that can't be right. My, my funds are not going to show up at the other side, yeah. you know. And so it's really intriguing, um, you know. And I think the media also plays a lot on that because they're always... Yeah, they're kind of bashing on it. And bashing on and then talking about all the scams. And, and there are scams, there certainly are scams, right? Certainly. Because now... And I think we've been talking a lot about this in this podcast where you take responsibility, right? For your health, for your finances and so forth. So it's putting all the responsibility now on you. You need to be vetting, okay, who are you trading with? You know, you need to keep the keys to your vault. So it's not the bank anymore that's doing that. So there are no. So if you lose your money in crypto, let's say you lose your key or there is a hack or something, the money's gone. There's no support, you know, support uh, center that you can call. And they're going to help you out. Right. The responsibility is on you to research on what you are investing. Not saying that you're not going to research on what you're investing with the current system. But with this, even more so because you hold the keys to your vault or you are your bank. Well, but but the other piece to it is that it, it's not a uh, it's not like, OK, I'm taking on all this responsibility and I'm making the same economic benefit. I mean, I'm having I have so much more. Um, capability to increase my net worth through the growth of cryptocurrency because of its extreme uh, uh, moves upward through a new adoption that I just don't have those those um, uh, those opportunities you know in in, in the regular in the market system. I mean you, you you'd have to really find that that um, that that company that's just a unicorn, you know that 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 Amazon.com, right? That that got started as yeah. You'd have to find that, and that's very hard to do. And hope that they're not going to dilute your your shares. Yeah, well, and, and and that's a good point, you know. And and uh, there are just some really neat projects. If uh, and there's some really neat communities in the crypto space that if you are getting out there um, and, and, and learning about it and finding people who want to teach, they want to show people what this new paradigm can mean, mm -hmm. then it's really, what it really... What has done for them, what it can do for you. And I feel like the communities are these communities that want to share knowledge. They're not withholding no, because the they, knowledge themselves or make it sound super complicated. And like, it's because they know that that uh, their investment is going to increase as more people come into the market. You mm -hmm. know, and so so that's necessary. It's not one of those things where you need to stay quiet 
because only a few people can benefit. No, yeah. that's not how it works. The more people that jump in and adopt, the then it will make any investments that already exist continue to go up. So so it behooves them to be good stewards and to to train people and and to bring them in so that they understand and feel confident about that investment. So so I, I think we're there. We're getting there, but you know, we're seeing some things in the market right now with inflation. Uh, you know, I I had mentioned in a conversation earlier that, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey just talked at a, in a speech where he said, you know, we're seeing hyperinflation coming. It's a reality. And again, that might be more of an alarmist uh, take that he's trying to put out there or predictive mm-hmm. programming. Uh, but I mean, we know by the increase in prices that we're seeing across the board from, you know, rental cars, bacon, you know, housing. I mean, food, it, it, food, gas, it, it, energy, it, like your electricity. We're talking double digits across the board. And, you know, we're not seeing double digit pay increases. Mm-hmm. So we're not keeping up with inflation. So that means our, our standard of living uh, as we continue down this path continues to deteriorate because we're not making more money. So we have to find those vehicles where we can keep up with inflation. And so, you know, we really want to tell people, you know, it doesn't mean you need to go all in with, with crypto, but you need to start mm-hmm. educating yourself. Oh, yeah, very important, because that's that's where the, the future is, is going. Mm-hmm. This is, we're, and you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It is a double-edged sword. Because when we think of technology and all the tracking and all the surveillance, you see when you are in the di- digital world, how much easier it is to track uh, humans, individuals, what transactions they're making, what have you. But this technology in the beginning was really um, developed to to be kind of untraceable, right? You are, you own this money, the wallets, where your money's at. Well, I don't know that it's not. so much untraceable. In fact, it's very traceable. It is, it is traceable? Yeah, it's very traceable. It is anonymous. It's anonymous. So so when we say traceable, we can see the path of money, mm-hmm. and we can see money moving. And, mm-hmm. and, when, and when I say we, I mean anybody. You can go out on the chain, and you can look at uh, a particular wallet. You can see how much money is in that wallet. You can see uh, what money has come into that wallet and from what addresses. You can see what money has come out of that wallet into what addresses. Uh, but the thing you don't know is who does that wallet belong to. Yeah, and I, and I believe not all coins are like that. No, no, that, that's see. true. That's true. There are privacy coins, mm-hmm. but but um, they're certainly not the um, the cornerstone of the of the. Uh, blockchain market or and the if you were if market. you were exchanging in the system it is anonymous right so when you get out of the system that it becomes a little more more traceable yeah you know because you have to use um when you, you're converting you your need crypto. to convert and so you have to convert to I mean, dollars. it's not like you would need to i know that there are you know companies that will take you know bitcoin for example as a as yeah. a mode of you payment could, you could transact in some places mm-hmm. but you know that's that's been another area you know we were watching some of those videos the other night you know we haven't seen this big you know uptick of of um, businesses starting to take bitcoin and mm-hmm. all that you know that that was kind of the the panacea of this mm-hmm. whole thing and and that hasn't been where uh, the value really has built into Bitcoin. You know, really, I, I, in fact, I think uh, I was listening to one interview. They said that there are actually less um, 
transacting entities for Bitcoin this year than there were last oh, year. Last year, that's uh, interesting. So, so, so uh, uh, we're not seeing mass adoption from a transaction standpoint, but also that's partly because people don't want to use Bitcoin to transact because it does have that ability to gain in value so mm-hmm. quickly. So they to use it, to yeah, it. to use it for something so simplistic, maybe like a pizza or, you know, to fix your car at the dealership or something, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like, oh, well, look, if I spend that $20 or that $150 here, you know, that same uh, chunk of Bitcoin could be worth a thousand or $1,500 just in a few yeah. months. So, so we're really looking at the primary use case for something like Bitcoin as, as store of value, much like people traditionally have looked at gold and silver. Um, but I think that, that we're seeing people that might open their eyes a little bit more to these cryptocurrencies than they would gold and silver because they see that it is keeping up with the times in, in, in ways that and they, it is they really easier. never saw. It's kind of easier to transact with it also and convert it. You don't need to go to, you know, a place to take your gold bar in exchange for money, yeah. right? You're yeah, not leaving you, your house. You can do it from your phone. You can do it from your computer. Once you learn. I mean, not saying that gold, and I think this is like one of the uh, the to- the topics of discussion when we're talking about crypto. There's a lot of comparison with uh, assets like gold and silver, and we're not saying this is a replacement for gold and silver. Uh, nothing like that. We're just saying as far as, uh, usability, you know, it is easier. No, I would say it's to, very, to trade and I would say it's very similar to gold yeah. and silver. I think the challenge with gold and silver is is that those markets have been captured and and they're very manipulated. And so there's really very uh, if you want to store your value at where it currently is, then you know the gold and silver market seems like it's maintained, you know, fairly consistent, but it it hasn't grown. You you can't you can't ten x your money with gold and silver you know you're not going to see the the price of uh the other uh, thing is you don't really know how much there is like in the world if you think about well, true yeah whoever is holding it mm-hmm. might not be telling us how much there is or how much they have yeah so so like if we come back to that and sto- with crypto i guess it, it will cap right as far as bitcoins there's just so many coins are going to be created but again that that is dependent on the coin it's yeah. not every coin so but with bitcoin specifically with bitcoin specifically yeah there there is a cap number that they are going to reach once they hit it it's done it's complete and so that's why there's scarcity built into the system which makes the the coins increase in value as the uh, the platform becomes more popular mm-hmm. so you know what what is keeping people from getting involved there. And I do think there's a there's a technical learning curve, right? We were just talking mm-hmm. as we did the first take on this. I mean, this. there's like the concept also that people are, I mean, we're all used to to money, to cash, right? Well, to trading money. But, but I, I don't think that's true. I mean, if you think about um, how many transactions within the last month that we've done with cash versus electronically. No, I'm saying, you know, just the dollars, let's say the dollars. No, I, I understand that, but I mean, I'm just saying, though, that, that that we're not even used to seeing dollars, right? It's all just a swipe of a card. And so... But you buy it with, you know, that's the currency. So I feel like people are used to, okay, this is, this is a currency. If I go to an ATM, I can just draw that money out and I can go pay the babysitter. But but let me ask you this. So 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 when, when you go to Europe or when you go to Brazil and you swipe your card, do you think it's not going to pay them... Hey, I'll, hey, owls or 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 uh, euros. 
No, yeah, it will, but it's something that people recognize. Okay, each country will have their own, uh, you know, currency that you can you can go in in. And it there's a piece of paper, you know, that says this is what you used to transact with. And I think it's hard for people to to jump from from this system into okay, now there's a new system already. People have a hard time with computers still to this day, you know, understanding how a computer works and or work a computer. So think about, you know, now you have currency that's in the computer, something that's completely digital that you never really seeing your hand you only seeing your devices so i think it, it's kind of it's a huge um jump for them to go from this system to now this thing that you can't see <laughs> yeah i i mean i think though that that um i don't know i mean i mean to me i think that that's they just haven't uh assessed the situation because i mean again i think that most people are living completely digitally you know, not seeing visually dollars, you know. So if the only thing that we're talking about here is the the enumeration. You could print you know, a dollar though, right? You can't print like physically in 3D. A, oh, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think coin. we... You, 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 yeah, I mean, I guess because... So anyways, I'm saying this is like the difficulty for people to understand from one system to the other. And that's why there is, they're uneasy about it because they don't know much about it because it is in, in, in the network. Well, but know, I mean, okay, so let's, internet. let's look at email though. I mean, mail was always a tangible thing that people would, would have their hands mm-hmm. on and they would you lick envelopes and they would put it in the yeah. box and the man would come yeah. by and pick it up and take it off. Well, n- now there's much more email that is sent than, that is a good than snail mail. And yeah. that wasn't, I don't think that was, I don't think that took a terribly long period of time for people to embrace that mm-hmm. and, and really to become the, the de facto way that they wanted to, communicate, to yeah. communicate. You know, I mean, if we wanted to say a decade, which I think is way conservative. I mean, I think people probably adopted it within just four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if we say a decade, you know, then we can say that the, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies now existed for you know a better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, I, I think that um, maybe the primary difference is that you still don't have to transact with cryptocurrency right mm-hmm. it's not like you go to some vendors i'm sure well, i guess in el salvador now that's well okay well so how many of us are in el salvador but but uh you don't have to transact in in in, in bitcoin but you know like with email you you if if, if somebody said I, I i'm not giving you my address the only way you can message me is through email then they had yeah. to figure it out yeah right so so i think we're getting to a point though where the economic factors that are impacting the world through this inflation that we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, and this printing of money. I think that people are, you know, maybe they haven't assessed it fully, but, you know, we're going to get to a point here, maybe a year, another year from now, a year and a half, if this pace continues, and people are going to say, well, what, what what's going on? I mean, I feel like my I feel like my, my, my income's been cut in half, you know, and, yeah. and, and they're going to say, okay, I have to figure out these creative ways to, to keep up with the, the pace. And so uh, we're going to see more adoption of, of cryptocurrency. And what's going to be very intriguing about that is the reason it's volatile right now is because there aren't a ton of people in the market. And then when the market does have 
somewhat of a correction or a shift. It's it, it's a little bit exaggerated because mm-hmm. uh, uh, everybody follows suit. Uh, but if you have many many more people in the market, then you're going to see less volatility because uh, you're going to have more educated investors to w- outweigh the ones that are just kind of dipping their toe in and, and everything mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. so you will normalize now that at the same time what that will also do is normalize the uh, the gains meaning they won't be as big because you're not seeing these big shifts and so you know what, so early adoption early adoption we're going to tell people it's early adoption it's a way that you can secure your future right because i just learned through this series that i was watching this past week that 75% of the dollars that are in circulation right now were printed in the last two years. And that was just mind-blowing. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't necessarily hear it was quite that high, but but it certainly is a major... Um, yeah, I mean, because I, I think mean, we were... We, it's an unsustainable... We, we have to agree, two years, four years, five years, we have to agree, it's unsustainable. Yeah, yeah right? we it's can't certainly unsustainable. keep up with the space and then again in a centralized system they can change the rules on you anytime they want you know so in and in an example i give is when i was um when i was little in my country of brazil we had a president that decided that he was going to take everybody's savings account money because we needed for the greater good of the economy <laughs> So think about that. You've been saving your whole life and all of a sudden whoever is in power or I mean somebody probably it wasn't he was just the puppet up there, right? Somebody must have convinced them, okay now you're gonna be the spokesperson for this thing that we're gonna do. And who's to say that something like that couldn't happen here? Yeah. In the place I mean, there's so many unbelievable things that have have happened in the last eighteen months. I mean, I don't <laughs> see how we can't look at the existing situations that we're seeing, not only economically with the the printing of money and some of these new um, uh, legislative actions that you know the, these programs that, that that are being pushed through supposedly you know for COVID relief and things of that nature, mm-hmm. and then this you know nightmare of a situation we've got going on from a logistics perspective, you know, getting uh, uh, product in and out of this country. I mean, it really, you know, honestly, it looks like this is being done to us, not something that, that there's a, you know, a, a, a legitimate problem that's keeping that stuff from coming in and out. It's like, you know, the, these, these uh, market forces that have kept these things from being offloaded and put into stores, uh, you know, it looks like it's been completely manufactured, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Do so... Do you want to give a specific example of what you're talking about? Well, I mean, just the the uh, when we talk about COVID specifically, you know, we we've gotten to a situation now where, you know, we're we're actually incentivizing people not to work, you know. So you have a lot of these workers that uh, uh, work at some of these uh, these entry points into the United States that these shipping containers would you know unload and 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 uh, uh, reload and whatnot uh, with exports and things of that nature, and you know they're operating at much much smaller. Uh, staffing because people are staying home because they're making money from the uh, uh, the benefits program, you know, from not having to work under uh, COVID restrictions, and so uh, um, you know this is something that that does not have to exist. You know, if we look at what you know we've explored over several episodes around what's happening with with COVID and 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 real uh, 
you know, if you want, we want to call it transmission rates or, you know, just, just rates of, of illness, you know, there, there isn't a reason for people to, I mean, first of all, I don't think a lot of these people are living in fear. I think, you know, they're, they're really a product of the system. Um, and, you know, if the system's going to pay you more, uh, uh, either, either the same or more than what you might make if you were working at your job and then, you know, you can be at home and, and uh, with your family. And then, and then I think a lot of people, especially if these are more, um, more labor jobs, you know, the, they might, they may take that option as long as they can get it, not really mm-hmm. realizing the full uh, overall economic impact. But then, uh, you know, we're seeing things in the government with like the, the, uh, Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, you know, he's been on paternity leave through this this issue with the, these logistic issues. And it's like, man, I mean, isn't this an all hands on deck situation? I mean, I mean, this is we've never been in a predicament like this. And uh, we're on paternity leave at, at the highest levels of the government. You know, I mean, I, I'm just uh, a little bit blown away. It's the same thing with the the. Um, the migration crisis at the border of Mexico, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, the vice president of the United States, you know, it was really difficult to even get her to go down and visit there as you had this, uh, this migrant crisis of all these individuals. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of individuals camped out at the border. And, and now, uh, you know, we're seeing video of, of uh, them coming in in droves. And, and uh, if we are to believe that this pandemic has, uh, you know, real um, consequences, you know, for people who might be coming into the environment. I know you and I have some different beliefs, but if we are to believe this paradigm mm-hmm. that they're pushing, then, you know, how is that not a major crisis? Why wouldn't we have the military down there, you know, uh, keeping these people back if, if you know, we're worried for the health of the nation, mm-hmm. you know, like we're we've supposed to have been? So, I mean, there's just situation after situation. It just seems like this is being engineered to... Uh, uh, to blow up. And, you know, we, we talked, I can't remember who we were talking to specifically, but, uh, they didn't know what universal basic income was. Do you remember that conversation? Oh yeah. It was some guests that came to visit us. We were, I can't remember what we were talking about. Yeah. I can't remember. They didn't know what universal basic income was. And, uh, uh, we explained, you know, that's where the, the government is essentially giving you a, stipend or whatever that that essentially is supposed to cover your basic needs right your housing and they determine what your basic right needs are. right your housing your your food um medical care whatever and then you know basically you would only need to get a job if you wanted to uh make anything additional you know beyond what you needed to survive and uh um you know candidates uh, for president of the united states like andrew yang when uh, he was running during the uh, presidential election, you know, he was pushing that specifically. He went on Joe Rogan, I remember, and, and, and talked about uh, the UBI and universal basic income. And it seemed like such a foreign concept, like, okay, we're going we're gonna to pay people not to work, you know, because we've always been a working, uh, I mean, I, I would say the world has been a working uh, uh, machine, right? You know, that's how you, you, you generate income. And, and, and you and I, I know, have some challenges with how the structure of that exists, but still... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting paradigm shift to, um, to hand over that money to people. And, and, uh, but anyway, we brought that up and those people had never even heard of it. And I said, okay, well, look, I just want you to remember UBI. Okay, I want you to remember UBI because you haven't heard the last of UBI and, and, uh, UBI is going to be a part of this. 
um, eventually. And, and I think you're going to see, if we talk about the problem, reaction, solution uh, mentality, we're going to see that, that we've now got this, this situation where, you know, uh, uh, the, the economy is being uh, imploded. And then you know mm-hmm. the government's going to come in and say, "Oh, it's okay. We've got this. Uh, we got this solution. Plan. We got yeah. this. We're going to we're going to pay everybody." The problem. Yeah. And then they come up with the solution. <laughs> and so you know, I think we're at this point right now where uh, we can really head it off at the pass, especially with with cryptocurrency, because we're seeing so many people flee with their store of value over there in that market. It's growing quite rapidly, and uh, and then really right now. Uh, with with several of the um, the products or the platforms that are out there, you know the bitcoins, the ethereum's. We're not we we have some fantastic options there uh, where they are very secure. Uh, they have a lot of utility. They have a lot of functionality. Uh, they're certainly not fully realized. So you know there's a lot of potential for different use cases. You know as far as how those currencies are used. Um, you know, something that's really, really interesting, I don't think we've talked about at all, is, is DeFi, which is uh, decentralized finance. And essentially what that is, is to be able to enter into, you know, economic agreements uh, for, you know, certain uh, economic uh, or financial instruments uh, where there isn't a middleman, right? You're, you're basically interacting with what's called a smart contract, which, you know, is basically just a set of uh, parameters, right? It's, it's agreements that you would normally make maybe with a bank, but you're just making them with the contract that exists out there in an unchangeable or an immutable code. And then you are rewarded, uh, at the, be it at the terms of the, the contract that you agree to, you're rewarded in the form of interest or whatever it is that the, 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 that particular instrument provides. And it all just happens. Uh, you know, it's, it, programmatically, right? There is not a person that sits at a desk and goes, okay, you're going to get this interest. We're going to apply that to your account and type it on. No, I mean, this is all done at this uh, automated uh, uh, process in this smart contract that operates in the code of the the uh, the cryptocurrency that on the the blockchain that it runs on and we again we didn't want to get technical here yeah. but 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 I mean I think that's that's basic enough when people understand it's an agreement just mm-hmm. like they would make with their bank mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't it doesn't involve people it, it just involves interacting with the code that that is the cryptocurrency and and uh, by eliminating the middleman then you don't have to pay those fees to the middleman, you can make much more money because you are essentially acting as your own financial institution. Um, and so, you know, there's going to be things like loans and uh, uh, certificates of deposit, and uh, um, you're going to be able to lend money securely to other people that you know, and then be able to make interest on lending them money rather than everybody having to go through these large banks and, and profit up for them. I mean, decentralized finance is going to be one of the biggest growing um, uh, areas economically in the next 10 years. It, 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 it's already growing like crazy. Um, so, you know, you it really pays to get involved, even if it's mm-hmm. just sticking your toe in the water and doing the most obvious thing out there, which is maybe buying Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> e- even if that that is what you need to do to get started, I think you'll find that once you kind of jump into the crypto community, that it is a community that's fairly welcoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, some places it's extremely welcoming. And uh, you can ramp up your knowledge very quickly and then become comfortable with 
those tools and uh, um, the lingo and all that. It's not. It's it's really not that over the head. Even though I think we've established, like in the first take we did, it sounded like I got really technical. But remember, mm-hmm. these were things that. I've just been exposed to within the last few months yeah. and I'm already talking about it very, very technically. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I still work a full-time job and I'm a dad to three kids and, and, uh, uh, but I'm so saying, if Leo can do it, you can if do I it. can do it, you can do it too, you know? <laughs> yes. And, um, and we want to make sure that, that, and, and I think you notice we're not pitching anything specifically. Yeah, we're, we're saying, not. we're saying get out there and just make yourself we're aware. We're saying it's a tool. It's a tool to secure your financial future through these very uncertain times. And that may may free you to actually get out of the system and do the things that you're passionate about. You know, be growing a garden, be uh, learning how to fly an airplane or whatever, whatever, you know, whichever way you want to contribute to this world. I know there's a lot of people out there saying, yeah, because these young people get into cryptocurrency because they don't want to do anything. It's a, a get-rich-quick scheme. And none of those in, in the real world have ever paid paid off for the 99%, right? It pays off to, to get rich quick to the elites, all the time, every day, every second of the day. But you know, of course, the the ninety nine percent they 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 can't do those things. I think cryptocurrency is that avenue that if you educate yourself and you take responsibility for your financial future, you are your own bank now, so you hold the keys. I think it's going to to pay off and protect you well, from and, what's coming. And I think we're at that point, right? We're at an inflection point because uh, if this thing was going to fail, it would. we're now a decade in. Yeah. It would have failed by now, right? Mm-hmm. We would have tried it, but it's only gotten huge, huger and huger and yeah. huger. So, I mean, at what point do you join the snowball and, and take advantage of what it can provide you? And, and, you know, with that said, I know, uh, didn't we let's have a... Let's go, yes, let's play. So we want to play a clip. It's from John McAfee. 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 He's the antivirus guy. I'm sure you all have heard of the McAfee Well, we, we talked about antivirus. him in one of the... Because remember, he got... He, he was... He's he's dead. He, you know, he's yes. supposedly committed suicide. But but you know, he suicided himself. He, he was a genius, and he was also kind of a wild man. But but uh, uh, he can was. I, I uh, can give him an intro because I have it right here. Oh, you have it. Okay. Yeah, I do. So so this video specifically, it's a video. We're gonna obviously share the link with you guys so you can watch the whole thing. It was very inspirational. It was um it was an event in um. That was it was done in Spain that he spoke in Spain a little bit a little bit before he was Picked suicided up. <laughs> yeah. a little before he suicided himself but he just a brief um, bio for him um, he was a British American computer programmer businessman and two time presidential candidate who unsuccessfully sought the Libertarian Party nomination for president of the United States in 2016 and 2020. In 1987, he wrote the first commercial antivirus software founding McAfee Associates to sell his creation. He resigned in 1994 and sold his remaining stake in the company. McAfee became the company's most vocal critic in later years, urging consumers to uninstall the company's antivirus software, which he characterized as a bloatware. Do you know what that means? 
Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's there to run other, you know, like add add services and stuff, mm-hmm. and just make the computer run slower. He disavowed the company's continued use of his name and branding, a practice that has persisted in spite of a short-lived corporate rebranding attempt under initial ownership. McAfee's wealth peaked in 2007 at 100 million before his fortune plummeted in the financial crisis of 2007-2008. What else can I say about I think him? that's quite a bit, though. That's yeah. enough. Well, no, in no. October 2020, he was arrested in Spain over U.S. tax evasion charges. So the, this talk specific that he gave is his a speech about government, taxes, banks, corruption, and cryptocurrencies. So, you know, he's been trying to alert people for a long time that there's some shenanigans happening <laughs> at the highest levels of government and corporations. And I found his speech was very inspirational. So now of these two clips, you want this one here? Yeah, okay, the first which one. is kind of midstream, right? Because it- Yeah, so this is actually the ending of his talk about cryptocurrency. It's a very interesting talk. Because it's and about a 31-minute I highly clip. recommend, yeah, I highly recommend you... Uh, listen to his talk because it was really good all right let's go ahead and do it but we can come together on an understanding of what we have to do not with an individual coin not with not with uh, this position or that position not with let's create a brand new currency we all agree on because that won't happen but to understand that whatever comes from the people well let's get a look If it comes from the people, it's probably not going to pass all your information to the government. And if it does, put a red red X mark by that one and move on to the next. So our responsibility, I don't think, is, is to build the ultimate currency, but to understand the power that cryptocurrency, not developed by governments and institutions, but by people, offers us for the first time in human history a chance for absolute financial freedom where your wallet is your bank. Have you noticed that? That if you want to wire money to somebody overseas, I've got to get up, got to go to the bank, got to fill out forms, I've got to get permission, I've got to get a stamp, and then this time tomorrow, maybe the money will get there. If I have a cryptocurrency wallet, I don't even get out of bed. I watch your, watch your wallet address, I put it in, how much? $200, thank you done your wallet is your bank it has all the functionality of your bank it's yours and if that wallet can't be looked into by anyone meaning you're in a privacy coin now and if all of your activities on a distributed exchange you are free people no one will know what you do with your money neither should they it's your fucking money you worked for it were we born to work four months every year for our government i don't think so no that's theft you're in slavery for those four months where you're working and every penny goes to the government now they spread it out so you don't notice that they're taking four months of your work but they are So our job is to understand that mechanism and to ensure that everyone in the world understands that mechanism and let them choose. You want to still use fiat? Go ahead. 
Do you want to use uh, Facebook's Libra? Go ahead. Do you want to use whatever? You want to build your own cryptocurrency? Please, go ahead. Don't, people, lose this opportunity. Please, God, to free yourselves financially. Because using fiat currency, those who control the currency, how much of it there is, monitoring where it goes, are your masters. Because you cannot buy a house, pay the rent, send your kids to school, get insurance, get medical care without that fiat currency currently. But what if you didn't have to use that currency? What if when they doubled the number of bills in, in use and devalued your hard work by 50% that you didn't care because you're not using it? This is where we have to be because this is where we will be eventually, I promise you. This is not a war that the people can lose. This is merely a war which will go on for a short period of time and governments will adapt, or it is a war that will go on for centuries, but it will continue until the people win. See this. So let's get it over with and do it now. Thank you very much. All right, Fabby. That was so good. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, it's another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious, please. 